0: Today on Hardwired. What John describes, one-third of the sea, one-third of ships in the sea, one-third of marine life, gone, how? Either it comes straight from heaven, like it did on Sodom and Gomorrah, or it comes from something like a nuke. Because John is going, well, it was like this, it was like that, this is what I saw. I can only tell you, give you examples of what it was like.
1: Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklier founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about
0: today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, in today's message, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to look at the seventh seal. We've already looked at the first six seals that Jesus himself opens up. They represent judgments that are gonna be poured upon a Christ-rejecting world going through the suffering of the Great Tribulation period. But the seventh seal was so important that everything in heaven came to a standstill before this seal was opened. So without any further ado, I'm excited to share part two of the message The Seventh Seal. Let's dive right in. Now, when you're going through a book as involved as the book of Revelation, it helps to constantly kind of drop back and get the bigger picture so that you don't lose your your place in the book. Now, we share at the very beginning, the book of Revelation is primarily prophecy. That is foretelling of the future events to come. Let's remember now, dropping back and punting a little bit, chapter one, we meet the glorified, resurrected, magnificent Messiah. And he comes to John and he instructs John, John, the reason I'm giving you this book is so that you will write of things that have been, things that are, and things that shall be. I want you to write down those three things what has been, what is, and what shall be. We saw that what has been is covered in chapter one. Jesus had been resurrected. He had been crucified. He had been buried. He had been resurrected. That's what had been. But then chapters two and three, he addresses seven churches. And that is what was at the time of John's writing. So the things that had been, the things that were. But then starting with chapter four, it's all what shall be. So it's all future, future prophecy. Now, last time we studied the final three seals. There were seven in all. And we noted that we're gonna have to wait for chapter eight for the seventh seal to be open. And we're hitting that tonight. We also took another trip into heaven with John who goes up to heaven. He's taken to heaven, brought back down to earth, taken back up to heaven, shown heavenly uh, events going on, brought down to earth, shown earthly events that are gonna be happening. He's just going like this. He is having a major revelation. And so we come now to the second angel and the second trumpet in verse eight. And a great mountain, he says, the second angel blew his trumpet and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died. And one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Look at these thirds. Third this, third that, third the other. Now God's dealing in thirds. This is futuristic. This is future. So it sounds to me like a nuclear blast. Come on, we're talking about a third of the world. I think it's amazing that this much time has gone by without nukes being launched or dropped because man has never created a weapon, he's not used. I believe that God keeps it in check. I believe God's in control of everything. I believe he's sovereign. And there's no way he's gonna let some madman push that red button unless his timing has arrived. But in the great tribulation, I'm just wondering if this is what we're reading. I don't know for sure. I'm just saying it sure sounds like it. What John describes, one third of the sea, one third of ships in the sea, one third of marine life, gone. How? Either it comes straight from heaven, like it did on Sodom and Gomorrah, or it comes from something like a nuke. Because John is going, well, it was like this, it was like that. This is what I saw. I can only tell you, give you examples of what it was like. So is he describing a large nuclear missile? Maybe. He could also be describing a giant meteor or comet streaking across the sky and plunging into the ocean. Because we're already told by Jesus in Matthew 24, Luke 21 and Mark 13 and the book of Revelation, that the stars in the heaven will fall upon the earth. Asteros, heavenly projectiles will fall from the sky and strike the earth. We're already told that. So this could be the result of a giant meteor. And I also believe God's in charge of that. God's not gonna let a giant meteor strike the center point of his focus in the entire universe without his permission. Amen. Recent scientific speculations and calculations have pointed out the danger of an asteroid or a comet colliding with the Earth, causing incredible catastrophe. Example, in 1991, there was a lot of concern among astronomers about an asteroid they had spotted that came within a million miles of Earth. Now, that seems like a long ways off, but had it been captured by the Earth's gravity, it could have fallen to earth with incredible destructive force. So whatever causes it, with this second trumpet, one third of the sea becomes blood, a third of sea life is killed, and a third of the ships at sea are destroyed. And yet, man looks up and shakes his fist at, at God and curses his name. Book of Revelation tells us that. And they refuse to repent of their sorceries and witchcrafts and immorality. With all this happening, the third trumpet. Here we go. Everybody ready? Say amen. Chapter 8, verse 10. Then the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star. Here we go again. A great star, Asteros, Mega, or Megas, Asteros fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was wormwood, which means bitterness. And it made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. When the third angel sounds, another great star burning like a torch falls upon the earth and strikes the earth. This is the second comet-like object to strike and contaminate the waters. The first one strikes the ocean. This one strikes where we get all of our drinking water, fresh water. John makes it clear that this time the springs or the fresh water sources needed for drinking are struck. And once again, let's keep in mind, John is a first century man looking at 21st century events. He's saying it was the star. It was, it looked like a great star to me falling from the sky, but it could be anything. He just said, this is what it looked like to me. But since he called it wormwood, meaning bitter, Once again, you gotta wonder if this is talking about radioactivity because if you drink radioactive water, you're gonna die. So I don't know. It's conjecture because I don't think anybody knows for sure. You know, I've gotten to the place, the older I've gotten, I'm so willing to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't wanna get up here like, oh, I've got all the answers. I know exactly what's going on here. The the people that tell me they fully understand Revelation, I'm immediately wary of, especially (laughs) like Jim Simbel was talking Sunday. He said, if they tell you, that their their interpretation of the book of Revelation is right. And if you don't go along with it, you're going to hell. I'll never say that to you. That's stupid. This stuff, all you can do is compare it with the rest of scripture. And sometimes you can only offer conjecture. And that's what I'm offering here. This could be nuclear. It could be a comet. It could be an asteroid. It could be just God himself pouring out this fire. I don't know. Now we come to the fourth trumpet. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet and one third of the sun was struck and one third of the moon and one third of the stars and they became dark and one third of the day was dark and one third of the night. There's five one thirds in one verse. So here we go again. One third of the sun is struck. What does this mean? Well, again, here's some conjecture, but I'm gonna, I think it's a good possibility that because of all the burning trees and all the burning grass, along with all the dust and the ash from such horrible explosions, the light of the sun, the light of the moon and stars is diminished to the view. That to me makes sense. Keep in mind that it took the ash from Mount St. Helens in 1980 when it erupted so horribly, it took about 10 years for it to leave the atmosphere. 10 years, just for the ash from Mount St. Helens. 10 years to leave the atmosphere. And what did it look like if you were near that explosion, near that eruption? What did the sun look like? It was obscured. What did the moon look like? Red. History tells us, and this is kind of a recent discovery. uh, I read about this recently. I'll just share it with you real quick. Um, Without going into too much detail, uh, one scientist in particular began to suspect, based on things that he had discovered, like, the rings inside trees. You know, they tell you a lot about what the weather was every year. And when you cut into some of these ancient trees, they tell you the story of a lot of the history of the climate with each year. When the climate was good and advantageous to the growth of a tree, the lines, the rings in the tree are wide. When the climate was really difficult and the tree was struggling to stay alive, the rings are very thin. Well, this scientist began to see that rings in trees all over the world show that there had been probably the greatest climate catastrophe in the history of the human race that we know anything about around the middle of the sixth century, 536 to 538 AD. Because when he he found trees in Asia, trees in America, trees in different parts of the world, when, you, when they were old enough to tell, he could go back and see all of them, all over the world, were tiny, skinny little rings during the middle of the 6th century. What did it? What was wrong with the climate? And so he got so curious, he began to research this, dedicated his life to researching it. And he found out that... Of course, there were people writing during that time, because don't forget, Rome, Western Rome, fell around 420 AD. So about a century after the fall of Rome, oh, people were writing, people were studying, there were libraries. So he was able to find writings from the middle of the sixth century where people wrote that they had been in terribly freezing weather all over the world, that they couldn't even grow crops. They had to start hunting and fishing because their crops were killed by this severe cold weather. And it was tracked with every tree and everything that he found, all these these old writings. It went back to the middle of the sixth century.
1: Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program, along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back
0: now for the conclusion of today's program. So he's going, what happened then? What in the world was it? Well, make a long story short. He found out that a very infamous volcano called Krakato, that is in Indonesia, right in the middle of the equator had Erupted in a major, major way in the middle of the sixth century. And because it was in the equator, winds blew the ash all over the earth and it caused the temperatures to massively drop. And he found paintings, artists painting sunsets where you could barely see the sun. And he said they weren't trying to be poetic or metaphorical. They were writing what they saw. And what they couldn't see, they could barely see the sun and the moon was blood red. And it lasted that way for two years, two years. And it caused horrific climate catastrophes all over the world. Now, why am I going into all that? Well, because I think that uh, when he, he talks here about one third of the moon, one third of the stars, and one third of the sun being covered up, It's easy to see because it was covered up in the middle of the sixth century. They couldn't see it. There were four-hour days in the middle of the sixth century. Four-hour days, and that was it. That's all they saw, the sun. So the same thing can happen now. That's all I'm saying. Went into a lot of things. Just to tell you, it's happened before. It can happen again. Amen? Everybody with me? I didn't mean to leave you behind. I hope I didn't leave you behind. But I think that's fascinating. I mean, God left a history book in the Rings of Trees, Amen. Now, so the fourth trumpet completes the terrible devastation of Earth's ecology, the land, the water, the air, all taken out, all greatly affected by the first four trumpets. And unbelievably, these calamities and distresses coming up on a planet, embroiled in wicked wars led by the coming Antichrist, are merely the preludes of even more intense woes, folks. It's gonna get worse. Everybody say, "Oh me, oh my." Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Amen? Amen. Amen. Look how chapter 8 closes, verse 13. Then I looked, and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror, terror, terror. Now King James says, whoa, whoa, whoa to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. In other words, you think this is bad? Worse is coming. Now in Closing, I want you to keep in mind, the first, as I've already said, this is the darkest hour before the dawn. This is darkest before the dawn. There's a new world coming. How many of you are looking forward to that? Where the lion lays down with the lamb and they beat their swords into plowshares and there's no more war and the devil is bound and and Jesus is ruling the world with a scepter of righteousness. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Yes. All right. So keep that in mind always when we read this. It's the darkest before the dawn. Second, again, please understand with me, judgment has always fallen on persons, cities, nations. they reject God. They've been judged once their sin brought them to the point of no return. It's happened over and over again in history. If you took out all of the accounts of judgment in the Bible, you'd have a Bible about this thick because the Bible is full of the judgments of God. It's full of them right, Old Testament, New Testament. When Jerusalem was wiped out in 70 AD, that was the judgment of God on the Jewish people for killing their Messiah. In Noah's day, God judged the entire world. Can we keep this in mind? Think about this. In Noah's day, God judged the entire world because Genesis 6, 5 says, here's why he did it. The Lord saw the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil continuously. And when God saw that man was totally reprobate and was not going to repent, then he sent judgment, the great flood. Eight people survived it and all living things died in that judgment except marine life, and two of every species kept alive on the ark, and Noah and his sons and their wives. That's it. Rest of the world gone. We look at that and we go, you keep that in mind, you look at Revelation, is it any worse? The whole world judged in Noah's day. In Sodom's day, fire fell from heaven devouring the city where today it can't even be found. Jude tells us why. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment to come. That's your New Testament. That's Jude. All right. So we have example after example of terrible judgments from God written in the Bible as warnings. So we shouldn't be surprised that the Christ-rejecting, unrepentant, blasphemous world of the last days is going to be severely judged as well, right before Jesus Christ comes to set up his kingdom. Judgment, hey, thank God for the blood of Jesus because you and I are covered in the blood. Stand up with me, would you? Oh, don't stand up yet. I'm gonna take any questions. I'm gonna take a couple of questions. Uh, if you have a question tonight, I'm gonna take two, and I'm gonna answer them if you if you have one. If you don't have any, that's fine. But I got microphones coming at you from two directions. All right, here we go. Let's take a question.
1: Something that's probably on everybody's mind. Why would God allow something to happen like happened out in that town in Texas?
0: In Uvalde? In Uvalde. Um, all right, and there's a lot of parents asking that. Yep. And that's one of the reasons some people reject God. If there's a God, why does this happen? First of all, God gave us a will, okay? He gave us a will. God's not gonna come and stop every evil act. Do you know how many Jews quit believing in God altogether after the Holocaust? They just quit, they said, if there's a God, how could he have allowed this? God gave man a will. Why he allows man to do horrible things, terrible things with that will is part of the mystery of God's dealings. But we have a will. We're not just robots walking around doing exactly what God wants. When he put the tree of good and evil in the middle of the garden, okay, uh, right there, we were knowledgeable of the fact that we had a choice. You can eat of it or not eat of it. You can obey God or not obey God. We were given a choice right at the beginning. So we're living in a wicked, fallen world full of all kinds of horrible things. And yet the silver lining of God's grace is constantly being manifested in the midst of all the rape, the murder, the terror, all that is going, the wars. Remember, Jesus himself predicted wars, rumors of wars, that men in the last days would be filled with violence like they were in the days of Noah. So Jesus said it was coming. So why God allows the will of man to go that far? I don't know, but I will tell you this. One day, some people came up to Jesus and said, hey, uh, what do you think about the tower in Siloam that fell and killed a number of people? What do you think about that? Why did that happen? Were they, were they worse sinners than anybody else? That's what they asked Jesus. Jesus didn't even answer the question. He said, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. What was he saying by that response? It's not when you go or how you go. It's are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Because Jesus said, you think they were worse sinners than than you? No, if you don't repent, you may not be killed by a falling tower, but you're going to perish in your sin. So we see things like this going on. What would Christ say? Maybe he would say, it's not what happened. It's not how it happened. But it's, were they ready? Were those teachers ready? Because unless you repent, you will also likewise one day die in your sins. Now I can only tell you that's how he responded to a natural disaster. And he also responded to Herod had killed a bunch of people and mingled their blood in his sacrifice. That was the second question they asked. And Jesus didn't even answer it. He just said, the important thing is, are you ready? Are you ready? I pastored a long time. I've seen a lot. I've done funerals of just about every situation you can imagine, suicides, murders, um, little children, older adults, accidents. No one thought that morning they'd be gone that night. So I've been asked this question often. Why did God allow it? And I have to just say, you know, I don't know, but I do know what Jesus said to people who wanted to know where was God when those people were slaughtered and their blood mingled in Herod's sacrifice? And, and where was God when the tower fell on them? Were they worse sinners? All that Jesus responded with was this. If you don't repent, you're gonna likewise perish. It's not how, it's not when, it's are you ready? Okay, other than that, I have no answer. I don't know. We're in a very dark world, but thank God for amazing grace. God is moving all the time.
1: Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing. Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.